Welcome back to the Claim the Throne Blodgecast. I'm Cabba, and as always, I'm with Ash, also known as Aish. Hello, Keeps. How you doing? Good, man. Pretty good. Thanks for the jam just then. It was real fun. Yeah, it's as if we haven't seen each other. Like, g'day, Cabba. How you going? Yeah, we've just been fucking hanging out and jamming for an hour. Before that, we haven't really seen each other. Yeah, it is true. Saving it for the podge, the hellos included. As always, we can't (laughs) have conversations about things, (laughs) because is this a podge? Yeah. Hashtag podge life. But uh, yeah, Ash just brought his little drum kit cock. over to my house. <laughs> little drum kit, really small cock over and uh, packed it into one of the back bedrooms where my cab was placed also and we jammed some thrash, which I don't think I've ever jammed that style of thing before. Surprises so it was me. fun. It, man, it felt like I was right at home with that, but mm. maybe that's because it's music we sort of grew up listening to. Yeah, you listen to it a lot, so it probably just comes naturally and also... Um, <laughs> It's <laughs> done uh, well, but yeah, it wasn't like I struggled with it. I, I loved it; like it felt right. Yeah, it feels but like you- seriously the the real Cabba classic melodic death influenced riffs of Claim the Throne, but just in a bit more. It's almost like a harder edge to it, or something like that. Mm. Like a bit more, um, a bit tougher. Mm. It was cool, though. It was nice. Yeah, there's no time to rest at all on guitar no. or drums. So, it basically is Claim of Throne, thanks for that. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's no passages or any dumb shit. Uh, but good that the song's quite short. It's normally, um, also, we haven't jammed like that for a while, where you just sit and if something needs fixing, you stop and figure it out. Um, yeah. But then, Which yeah, is- instead of going, oh, let's go from that riff, just like, let's just go from the start and we'll be there in one minute. Yeah, yeah. It's nice too, man, because we don't have to deal with a bunch of other people also trying to learn the song at the same time. That's mm-hmm. a real tough thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure it'll eventually be like that one day. But, yeah, it is nice to just only have two of us like, okay, clearly I lost it then. You know, sometimes you don't know who yeah, the fuck what quite happened. What. Yeah. yeah. So that was really nice. And, you know, it's not like you're – breaking the fucking mold with some of the structures the the last song was a bit um a bit more challenging structure wise mm. but yeah and some of the speeds are pretty vicious mm. pretty vicious right at the top end of what we do with claim the throne i noticed that the guitar was way more choppy like way more challenging right is it it looked like it yeah i mean technically it should be but that is more natural to me than yeah. some Claim the Throne stuff, which I would find more challenging. Yeah, drum-wise too, it's like, it's hard to crowbar that kind of real thrashy, skank beat, melodic death thing into Claim the Throne amongst like trying to be fancy and a wanker, basically. <laughs> but yeah, doing it when it's just flat out, just <laughs> thrash the whole song, it's actually kind of easier in a weird way. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's how I feel. Kind of know what I'm in for. Just fucking go for it. Yep. Yeah. So that was like one hour of jamming three songs down. So we'll do that two yeah. more times and we should be ready. Yeah. Another interesting thing, which I did note at the time, was um, I'm using... Because we're jamming in Cabba's house. I didn't really want to have the neighbours fucking calling the cops or anything. Didn't bring my... I've been using rock, those rock sticks, and they're way thicker than like a 5B or certainly than a 5A and they're a little bit longer as well Mm. and no shit you just like you don't even have to load up and just the weight of the stick just makes the snare explode (laughs) but uh, yeah I used a thinner stick to try and keep the volume down I used a 5A and immediately I was like oh my god I, I don't think I can even play with this it was like weirdly responsive but yeah, after we got into it, I thought, wow, it's kind of like when baseball players swing two bats. <laughs> it's like, that's what I've been doing on tour with Claim of Throne and in rehearsal for the last, let's say, two or three months. And then to switch the Drop to back. these lighter yeah. sticks, you're like, wow, you're blasting really fast. <laughs> it's like, I feel like I've got a feather in my hand and I'm just like tickling someone's foot right now. <laughs> like, this is easy. So it was nice. And if you're learning a song like that, so someone gives you a demo of a few songs, do you just get familiar with the song and then wing it when you sit on the drums? Yeah. Yeah. In the past, I've done a few of those fill-in shows and stuff, and I've always tried to break it down section by section and figure out the intricacies of each beat or groove or whatever. 
and then I find like I just don't have a an idea of the context at all. So this mm-hmm. time I thought realistically this week had a bit on bit run down, bit crook actually this week, practiced all of once, but so I thought instead of practicing the songs, I'll just you know, do some paradiddles and shit, basic shit yep. just to get my hands moving. And then I made a playlist on my phone, got your demos, and I just listened to them on repeat. You were listening to Out the Gates the other day, hey? No. Nope. You messaged me and said, as if Suicide Nation oh. isn't the best thrash riff ever. Uh, Jesse had it <laughs> oh, all. Okay. And I walked <laughs> I walked from my fucking hovel of a recording room <laughs> into the kitchen for a glass of water and heard this um, Suicide Nation. And fuck, man, that... Doesn't mm. that rule that riff? It does, man. And strangely, that song was maybe the last one off that album that grabbed me so much because I remember it was Dicey's favourite song of all time for a while. And I was always like, why does he like that one so much? But I get it now, definitely. Yeah, that that kicks ass. Does, it, does that start a bit slower and then does that weird yeah. fill into that main riff? Yeah. That yeah, that's really good. rustles my Jimmy. That's real nice. <laughs> Did you know once, actually, now that I've said I've never played that style of music with anyone before, years ago, um, probably before I knew, knew you, me, Dicey, and my mate Collie had a jam playing just at the gate songs. We were oh, make really? a cover band or something. We jammed really? once and it was pretty good and then we just didn't get around to doing it anymore. Wow. Yeah. Uh, Collie played drums? Yeah. Okay. There yeah. you go. But he didn't have a drum kit, which was one of the biggest problems. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Once again, that little kit cumed through with the goods. Yeah. Man, Real definitely. fun. I like how it's like, I've actually bought new skins for it. This is pro tip for drummers out there. You, you need new skins for your drum kit. That's, God, I started this sentence really poorly. <laughs> you know, you buy uh you buy a new guitar and it's just got some shitty strings on that have been in the shop for ages and they're all corroded and shit. So you usually buy a pair of strings. Same with the drum kit. But instead of a good set of skins on them, they'll have, you know, uh, Tama drum skin made by Remo. So it's mm. like made in China, real thin film that you'd any good drummer that actually hits their kit will fucking bust through one of them in a week. But then, you know, like I bought this practice kit as it, A, a cheap solution and B, just like an easy solution. I don't want to go and reskin it for fucking 300 bucks. Nah. So I went on eBay looking for a, a couple of kick skins front and back. $20 a skin for this thing. I think it was called Slam or something. And look, it was specced out pretty much the same as I think it was like a Remo pinstripe, but without the muffling ring on it, like two two sheets of whatever it is, 7-M-I-L or whatever, and a bit of hydraulic film in the middle. 20 bucks each, including delivery. And I'm happy enough with that. Anyway, that hasn't arrived yet. So I thought, oh, this kick sound is going to be pretty crap. When we got in the room, yeah, it was a bit boomy. It was a bit yuck, um, whatever. And you just like laid a pillow on the front of Mm. it. I said, oh, maybe just to cut down the noise. And man, did that not just tighten up the sound completely? man. Yeah, it was good. It sounded awesome. So, yeah. Yeah. We've got that big double bed mattress up against the window. Yeah, Pretty don't know if that's doing fuck all, but... <laughs> well, we've got no complaints. The yeah. neighbors. But really cool, and this is another thing, is that in my last few recordings, I've been trying to hit as hard as I can um, with as big a sticks as I can and really trying to get a lot of crack and a lot of attack out of all of the drums. But I've been listening to a lot of things regarding like... um session players and like Nashville and these sort of country and Western and pop places and stuff. And a lot of those engineers are like, I think it sounds terrible when you hit a drum too hard. And it kind of got me thinking, like I like the sound of a lot of crack and I think rock kind of requires you to do that. Mm, Crack and rock. Yeah. Yeah. But I was looking at Dave Weckl, who's like a jazz drummer extraordinaire and he doesn't like hit super hard but the dynamic level is like a lot narrower. So when he's doing ghost notes and stuff and just normal snare hits and then he hits a rim shot, the rim shot's clearly a rim shot and it's really cracky and nice, but it's not too much louder than everything else. And I think that a bit more low end happens when you hit things slightly more controlled or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so this jam, that's what using the thinnest sticks and playing a bit 
sort of softer to try and, you know, keep the fucking pace up first jam in a while. You know, maybe I might experiment with recording like that on this. We'll see how it goes. But because um, mm-hmm. the other thing is when you've got heavy sticks and you hit a cymbal, you hit it as soft as you can and it's still fucking explosively loud. So, yeah, I might go for a more medium weight stick, not as light as a 5A, but maybe back to 5Bs and just sort of take a jazz approach to it maybe okay. control-wise. And, yeah, you were saying, oh, man, that fucking kick sounds awesome and the snare blast sound good. And I think that when you balance your rim shots against your blast good, then you don't need to, like, compress as much in recording, I'm assuming. The blast just sounded tight and um, up to speed when you were sort of saying, oh, I might not be able to play that fast, but pff, sounded like a walk in the park, to be honest. Mm. Oh, well, we'll see. But I'm very intrigued. I, I want to record in that little room we jammed in, <laughs> yeah. for sure. When would be the gold date to do that, do you think? Don't know. I still... We picked the slowest songs that you've written to jam today. So in order to get those faster ones happening, and some of them are like way beyond... I haven't played that fast since like probably like early Before you were 34 years old. That's it, yeah. So (laughs) I will need to do some practice to actually nail that other shit. Like playing it bloody 240 beats a minute today was really pushing my fucking limits there. Um, it was all right for the first couple of playthroughs of that particular song. But then after that, I was like, oh, shit, I, I don't know if I got the stamina. So lots of practice, maybe a couple of months. Yep. Cool. I'm probably just going to keep trying to tab all the songs mm-hmm. and then recruit, get that happening. Yeah. I think it's good for us to be jamming like this because, yeah, no, it's no rush. Listening to the songs is cool. I'll probably request a drumless demo off here mm-hmm. at some point of all the songs so I can either practice long to it or maybe even just sort of like program some humanly playable stuff underneath it <laughs> and some fills and start getting a real feel of like what I might really want to do. And um, it turns out naturally a lot of the things I did I feel what kind of where you were going in the demo with a lot of it. Definitely, yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Mm. Very cool. And I guess, yeah, it's good to just be doing something anyway when don't really know what we're doing with Claim the Throne at the moment. Should be writing. Mm. It's also that end of album thing where I need a fucking break from Claim the Throne for a second. <laughs> yeah. Do some other shit, catch up on some old projects and stuff, mm-hmm. get them done. Yep. Um... And how many more episodes of this podcast do you reckon there'll be? Don't know. Uh, what are we, one mm, 15-ish or something? Oh, really? That high? That's pretty good. Well, not really because the, like, the first one of the year was episode 100 and we've done fucking piss all since then. <laughs> There's been more than 10 weeks, that's for sure. Yeah. I don't know. I think if we could get to maybe 150... And then possibly kind of like keep doing it, but maybe rebrand it. That's the idea we yeah. were tossing around. 107. No, that's not up to date. Oh, shit. If you go... Yeah, fuck, I haven't been doing if that you, 115, you're right. Oh, yeah. oh there Curry you go. Worst Express. There you go. Yeah. So just re-evaluating where we're at, I guess. About that cabba. Still Why? always podge, but whether it's claim the throne podge or whether it's a new podge. I think it will essentially be the same podge but we'll probably just rename it. At the moment, we're having, well, we've always had sort of hosting, not hosting issues so much, but we have no idea who's listening to this fucking thing. Mm. And I would love to know because um, our analogy before was kind of like, why would, let's say we all go our separate ways and fucking people are moving across the other side of the world and claim throne aren't living in the same town anymore why don't we just become a studio band and do things over the net and fucking blah, blah, blah. Well, that sounds great, but, you know, we've talked about it. Maybe that's not the way this band is. Like, if we do something, we kind of want to tour it as well. And, you know, we've put all that work into everything. We don't want to just release some fucking albums for no reason. And that's maybe with the podge. Like, I like doing it, but at the same time, it is a decent whack of work. This bit of it's the best bit. (laughs) But the other side of it, I, I would at least like to know if it's, you know, just Smitty, Josh, Stu, Roy, 
et cetera, et cetera. Sleet. Sleet, of course. How could I forget? Or four. Anyway. Yeah. You know. Well, yeah. Or is it a hundred people? We don't really know. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I guess if, if we're going to start doing it properly, like, not that we're not doing it properly, but if we're going to. Well, I think we've just got more ideas mm. there that we want to uh, try out that we'd probably need some idea of who's listening and blah, 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 mm-hmm. in order for them to sort of be worth the effort. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how it is now, I guess, like, it, I like that it's a claim the throne one because you can always hear what we're up to, I guess. Mm. But when it's not even about the band a lot of the time, I mean, this episode, probably nothing to do with claim the throne at all. Yeah. So it could just be any old podcast. Yeah. Um, and I was thinking the other day, I haven't spoke to you about this, like most things we talk about on, on here. Um, <laughs> like if someone that we don't know and they want to find podcasts for bands or musicians, how the fuck would they find this? Like, do you go in your podcast app and search for musician? Well, we've always said go and search for Claim the Throne because this thing's. But if they didn't know who we are. That's the point is like started yeah. as a marketing tool for the band. That's right. Yeah. But it's like developed into just us talking mostly about the lengths of our puny cocks. <laughs> How far <laughs> they droop down. Yeah. And yeah. I think going forward from here, <clears throat> there's probably going to be a bit more activity from what we're doing other than Claim the Throne. Yeah. Um, yeah. Little projects we got lined up. Mm. But I suppose in terms of this thing, one idea we were chatting about is this band or whatever it is at this point that you're doing, um, I, at the moment, will play drums for it and I'm looking to record it. Maybe we document that and kind of release a little bit of a series, just something we probably always could have done with Claim of Throne, but it was always way busier than that. But just being a lot simpler, shorter songs, no fucking deadlines and bullshit is something we can do at our own pace. It would be cool, I think, to just document, like, look, this blogcast started with us trying to record a fucking Claim of Throne album, and then we didn't do an episode for six months because we were having dramas doing that and blah, blah, blah. Tried it again, and same thing. It was just too hectic. Whereas with this, scope's smaller. We're not at a studio where we have to get out of it in two days. We're doing it in your house and also doing the recording there. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we can show some miking up stuff. We can show some all the tracking phases just in little sort of, I don't know, probably 20 minute installments Mm -hmm. and maybe go all the way from about now. We really probably should record this first jam so people see how shit it is to begin with. (laughs) And then what comes out and also released at the end. (laughs) And then maybe you can do the other side of it with, obviously you'll be involved in all of that, but you can do the other side of it with um, how you're going to promote and market it. Mm -hmm. That can be a little pet project. From a, a, Band from the very beginning again, yeah. which I can't do now. Uh, you can't do with Claim the Throne, you mean? No, I mean, I, I can still do all the same, whatever I want to do, but just be interesting to do it from this is how you start a band. Yeah, yeah. I love the idea yeah. of that. And I just, you know, I've reached, like, I'm so obsessed with watching recording footage and all this shit and. Even things that piss me off like that Sound City documentary gives me the fucking shits, man. <laughs> but I still will watch it again. And I'll watch all those docos multiple times because I just like seeing a little bit of a window into certain things. But I just always... Like, I just haven't been able to find one that I really like a lot. Maybe maybe Opeth Lamentations one yeah. is the, the closest to like a really fucking cool insider one. Shows you tracking, shows you a bit of writing, shows a bit of... I don't know if I've seen that. Interview I've seen stuff. the live show. Oh, it's the other disc. There's oh. two discs on that. I don't First know if I've ever watched that. It's Making of Deliverance and Damnation. Okay. Recommended album cool. of the week even. Yeah, right. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I think, yeah, something like that. And um, I mentioned I was going to ask you what would be like one thing that, like a missed opportunity that we've had over the last 10 years as a band. And I was going to say video, like doing things like that. Uh We've done music videos, obviously, on YouTube and stuff, but I think we've got a lot of footage, like, on tour and stuff, and we never did anything with it. Could have had a DVD or could have got someone to come on a tour to film it and do it properly for us. Mm. I've got a lot of live footage that I've never done anything with, and um, 
you know, even doing this podcast, like we could have done more video stuff, I think. Yeah. Um, so probably missed that boat in terms of it was like video was a major thing taking off throughout the period that we were a band mm. and also the time that we were abandoned. Yeah. <laughs> Don't know. Anything else that you think we've done shit on? Missed mm. the boat on? No, not really. I mean, I th- the only thing is maybe just some unfortunate circumstances where we, yeah, well, I mean, we intended to do videos, bought little GoPros and stuff and all this shit, but it, you know, the reality of being in a band sometimes is you, unless you've got someone else that's not in the band dedicated to doing that thing, you just don't get time. Yeah. So yeah, maybe it, maybe my only regret, not even regret, but just a missed opportunity would be getting someone on board for those moments just yeah. to film rather than just like a photo that goes on Facebook or a little 10 minute periscope clip of something and then nothing forever. Yeah, maybe. Mm. And we do have that footage there. We still could cut that shit together. Yeah. Um, as soon as we do that, though, we're not writing music anymore. That's the other thing, too. Yeah. Yeah, it's a fucking hard one. Whereas with this, what I like about your little band there is you've pretty much written an album. It's at a stage where we can start jamming it. And, yeah, because those songs are way shorter and we, we're not paying $75 to rehearse, like we're just sort of getting together a bit ad hoc and stuff. It's like, I think it's a bit more within the scope of what we're doing to actually document that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. Don't know. But apart yeah. from that, I fucking really don't know what else. There's heaps of stuff I like to do, but I think realistically there's nothing. Man, we ticked off a lot of shit on a list. Mm, definitely. I mean, not just the bratwurst and the <laughs> pork knuckle, but... Yeah, a lot of tours in a lot of countries, a lot of shows, a lot of funny shit. A lot of music released. A lot of music released, quizzes, fucking live blogcasts, um, bloody panels to teenage bands telling them how we do things. Like We've tried a lot of crazy sort of little shit that, you know, has worked and not worked and whatever. Any highlights for you? This really recording does sound an like album. It's, this is your life, and we're about to quit it. <laughs> it does. It's, yeah, it's not that. But. Uh, highlights. I guess listening back to Desolate Plains and not having it be the shittest thing ever. <laughs> yeah, like certainly things I would like to improve. Again, that I mean, I've probably mentioned it a thousand times, but you know, mix that in like a couple of days because we had this imaginary time pressure thing, got it mastered, and then didn't release it for a year. I probably could have just like yeah. given it a few mixes and just given it a shot. Um, so that might even be stuff for yeah. missed opportunities to really nail at home, especially like the drum side of it. We did, you know, Al did such a good job at a really nice studio and then just for me to mix it in two days and just I really would have liked to experiment a lot more and I've felt like I've done a lot more of that since then and yeah. But it was still a highlight for it because I was always like disappointed in it. And then when it came out, I listened to it again after like six months. Thought, you know what? This is fucking fine. It, we've kind of accomplished what we set out to do. I think if we ever do another album, that will be the kind of culmination of we're all a bit better at songwriting. We've all kind of defined the music style that we like to write a bit more, gelling together a bit more. And then hopefully we can marry up the the actual capturing of that and the energy of that um, on a new album and then quit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I, I think we've definitely got another one in this, at least. And also an album to And record. an album. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. My highlight's what's probably highlight? like seeing you wake up in Japan in just those short shorts. Oh, Gut Leg spread. Out. Yeah, that was pretty good. Yeah. yeah, I don't know, probably, oh, man, I always really liked that Australian tour we did years and years ago where we went to Wagga Wagga and stuff. That was cute. We had a lot man. of fun. And I think we were at quite a good point then when we had a bit of popularity and the scene was okay and all the gigs were moderately reasonable. Yeah. That was cool. Um, America was cool. America was a triumph because that's like your self-booked tour mm. that fucking worked, hey? Mm. That yeah, was that great, whole thing was, was pretty pretty wild experience. I never thought I'd go to America. I'll be quite honest with you. I never thought I'd go to America. Yeah. And yeah, that 
was great. I mean, even as a tourist, I didn't think I'd go. Mm. Crazy shit. Pretty crazy. And also, another highlight is just like being friends. Yeah, definitely. Every day is a fucking highlight, hey? Yeah. <laughs> that European tour had some serious fucking shit go wrong from a band perspective. And I think if I wasn't friends with all you guys, oh, yeah. it would have been torture, but it was just funny. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Ridiculous. Greatest times of my life. I also liked before you were in the band and we played in Adelaide and you were on stage. Um, I'm being a cockhead. Being an f- absolute fuckhead, eh? Yeah, Nothing. get off, Ash. <laughs> your, your dad yelling at me, like, get off stage. My dad. In, um, oh. At the Ale Tales launch. Yeah, right. And at that point, I kind of knew I was in the band as well. Mm. So I was just like, thought I was fucking, could just walk around and be a fucking tosser. Mm. What a dickhead. I always like those gigs where there was people getting on stage and there was one not that long ago, maybe a year ago. I can't even remember where it was. Heaps of people came on and headbanged. Yeah. Yeah, that was like a Christmas show. Maybe yeah. not last the one before. Yeah, that sort of stuff's cool. Just after Chrissy. The cruises, pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and just, yeah. What a hilarious podge this has turned into. Like, pretty funny. Retrospective. Yeah. Hilarious. Some jams we've had have just been fucking out of control. I've loved them. You know, like the very last jam we had before that European tour and we were just like sounding real sick, I reckon. Oh, yeah. The one where Roy was at, was Roy actually there? Uh, yeah, it must have been that one. Airport? Yeah. Yeah. So I was just, we were just waiting there until yeah. nine o'clock and then we just fucking kicked it yeah, out. Yeah, we the had park, no eh? base for the last few jams and then we did. Yeah. Like, yeah, everyone was just quite excited. That was cool. But yeah, back in the day jams, they were fucking amazing. I remember when I first joined the band, I was working in the Bottolo and I could bring in like more VBs than you can poke a stick at, plus all those <laughs> like weird black current Smirnoffs, like all the weird shit that no one wanted and stuff. Yeah. And I'd take it in. Jesse was at Baker's Delight and would bring in all that bread and stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And cheesy might scrolls and we would just get utterly annihilated mm. and then just Somehow jammed good, maybe because the songs are fucking easy. Yeah. And like, um, should you bring, the, look, this is the last jam before our next Amps gig. Um, can you bring a couple of funnels in? We <laughs> we better be practicing doing them as well. Let's get fucking oh. absolutely off gut. <laughs> Man, that UK tour with Ailstorm when we were just smashing funnels at every gig. Yeah, that was. Man, there's that photo of Jesse taking funnels. Fucking cracks me up. Funny shit, man. What good times, eh? Zephyrus video clip, wearing those bearskin underwears. <laughs> Jim spitting that beer out. That on my face. <laughs> See, one of my highlights is you and in uh, Amsterdam on that boat, and I made you laugh <laughs> with a matter-of-fact comment just as you were drinking water, and you spit it all over the table. That was fucking hilarious. Picture perfect. Oh, man. Yeah. Fucking oh, funny. Good fucking shit. Yeah, so, and I don't know what else. So now this hornography thing I'm doing. Yeah, I'm really excited cool. for it. Just to do things without being in a band yeah. whilst doing it. Yeah, you can reasonably catch <clears throat> a train in from your house, mm. put on a gig, Except get trashed, and then... Yeah, wait for this. You're going to probably hate this, but we're going to provide guitar cabs at every show so the bands don't have to bring their own. Gotcha. Bad move. Backline. You know what? I love it. Mm. I, I think, obviously, I'd prefer that the venue just has it there. Mm, yeah. But um, that's one thing. If anyone of our closest friends is listening right now, whether you're a listener of the podcast and wanting to make a pub one day that is a live music <laughs> venue, backline, man. I think yeah, the Japanese I have agree. it right where you just rock up and when you arrive at the venue, there's already two cabs, a, a two guitar cabs, bass cab, and all in Japan, of course, a Yamaha kit. And it's just like, oh, I usually use three toms. Yeah, that's cool. Well, fuck off then. <laughs> like, use this or fuck off. Yeah. And big bands go in there like, and they just all fucking use it. And if you don't, you've got to carry backline up and down Fucking nine flights of stairs. So I was like, yeah, just use the back line. Love it, man. I think sometimes even it can be a reason why someone might say no to doing a gig. You're just like, I cannot be fucked doing that. Saturday night, I don't want to be drinking and chilling out. Mm. Well, fucking put your guitar cab on on your head Mm. on a train, rock in, leave whenever, drink. It's just the drummers, obviously, but I don't know how we'll deal with that. Yeah. But yeah, I think it's going to be fun to like separate 
in my lives a bit. Yeah. Have a band and then have gigs, two different things. I thought Dyson's always done that pretty well. Like, yeah. It's like either put on gigs or just his merch stand. I always liked it that he had something to do on mm. a Saturday night. But he also got to watch all this music and hang out with the local crew. Yeah. But still like have a little bit of a extra reason for being there. Yeah. And yeah, I just imagine you and him just fucking having the best old time every Friday. Won't be too stressful, I don't see how nah. it could be. Man, we've just had so many fucking ideas to do all these different crazy gigs. But just don't want to do it because I just don't want to be playing shows all the time like that. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, I'm excited to just go yeah. and hang out and have a few drinks. No, it's hilarious. Um, maybe I said this already. Actually, I probably said this last episode, but... How, like, we have put six bands on, great lineup at the Boston, get no one there, maybe 50 people. This one, you have three bands and a bit of hype, and it seems to be a lot popular. It'll probably sell out quite easily. Really? I think so. What so the like, fuck? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it's even, it's not even really about the lineups anymore, perhaps, as much as it is about, yeah, having a scene to go to perhaps or I don't know. But do you remember a couple of parties that we went to back in the fucking glory years of the metal scene? Like a particular one at Dave Ratton's house where it was just like bigger than any gig. Every motherfucker <laughs> yeah. was there and it was just the most awesome night. Everyone's there till 4am getting yeah. trashed as fuck. There's another one at Lu- oh, was it Louis. Discerny had a couple. I don't know if I've ever been to a Discerny yeah. one. but Oh, Darren used to have them. Yeah, Darren and maybe Kane. Was it Kane or was it I think it was Kane's place once. He had a big party. And um, fucking Dicey as well, of course, Mm. had a couple of real classic ones. And (laughs) it's like that's the shit where if you could just do that at a venue, you'd just need a DJ, you know, good metal DJ there. But, yeah. Which is what what it is as well. Guest DJ every month, I guess. Yeah, I love that. And can be anyone. So it's Um, monthly. Monthly. I think that's a long enough stretch. You know, these things like yeah. wine and stuff tried to do it weekly. Yeah, on it's weeknights like, as well. Yeah, it's a bit tough, but I love the idea, man. And I also love that I live close to the city. I can mm. walk home from there. <laughs> Quite, like, I reckon it's a 18-minute walk from my house. And you can leave shit at that venue as well to pick up the next day, which is kind of cool. I did on that last Yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. Drum kit. I would say, like, it's quite... um. Amazing, someone like Dicey at his age of 181 <laughs> is still keen to give things like this a go. Yeah. Like he's still got something way. to offer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Long yeah. overdue, probably. I think it's cool, man. And I know all you always talk about the scene. It's funny, like, yeah, the scene, man. Mm. But it, there are all your old 180 year olds and stuff. And of course, you and I, now 34 <laughs> and playing faster than ever. <laughs> But, yeah, there's obviously going to be a whole new pack of fucking children going in there as well. And, yeah, it'll be a nice little development of, like, instead of just, like, this is what going to a gig is, it's standing in the beer garden while other bands play, <laughs> which is my favourite thing to do. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it might just sort of unite a whole thing and... I think one of the big off. problems as well is not having those 18-year-olds coming through and also going to gigs. <laughs> Um, but Stu's trying to do that as well with his annual Rising Force Festival thing where he's oh, getting yeah. kids yeah. to go to that. Not because he thinks they're hot, but because they want to go to gigs. <laughs> and um, so at least if there's a, yeah, a place where they can go and it looks really awesome and then it makes you want to go to more local gigs. And there could be other people too that have like, well, you guys have got an endless list of ideas, but there might be a band that wants to do something like we used to want to do a quiz, for example. Mm. And that's like a great place to do it without, no, yeah. oh, how would this ever work in this venue? Well, it will work. Yeah. It will if work. we want to have a heavy metal sleepover with Pantera DVDs on the projector, then we'll do it. That is a great idea. Um, and also touring bands, like they might not normally whack Perth on their touring schedule, but if they're guaranteed 200 people, why not? Yeah. Yeah, because there have been a few dismal turnouts for touring bands oh, recently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe some of those sort of more extreme bands that, like, yeah, might not take the risk to go to Perth, mm. might be able to do it if they can get two hundred people. Yeah, CD launches, all that sort of shit as well. Yeah, it's mm. real cool. We'll see. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that <clears throat> pans out. Mm. Um. 
listened to a podcast that I like yesterday called Recording Studio Rockstars. Mm. Yeah, it's a funny one. It's probably my favorite music production ideas podcast at the moment. It has been for quite a while. Good questions, repetitive questions. I like that they ask every, usually phrased in different ways, but sort of generally ask the same questions of each people, each people, each week. <laughs> anyway, I had this guy on called John Cuniberti, which is a funny name. Good pronunciation, yeah. Yeah. And I think that's actually how you pronounce it. Cuniberti, yeah. <laughs> and he's doing this thing, which I've heard about in the past, but never actually listened to it, called the One Mic Series. Pretty crazy, man. It's just, you'll go to his page. I think it's like johncuniberti.com forward slash one mic series, I think. And it's called like minimalist recording or something. So what he does is he gets one stereo AEAR88 microphone, which I do believe was a room mic we used on Desolate Plains that I probably poorly mixed into that production. But anyway, uh, he uses one of those microphones and does a whole band. Thanks, mate. <laughs> Records a whole band. And this is the thing. It's not just like this is a raw black metal recording with one mic. It ends up sounding like a multi-track recording. And how he achieves that is by positioning. So, like, he does it with mostly country and sort of roots bands and stuff. But if you imagine it in a metal band context, it's like he has this huge room. The drummer is quite far away because that's loud. But it's kind of centered in the stereo field, which is yeah, how you'd yeah. want it bass player and then they physically pan the guitars and the bass around the microphone like you would you'd pan right guitar to the right left to the left but they just place it in the room like that and then they adjust the volume to the level of the kit and then they get the main vocalist like pretty close to it you know and then someone off to the side the guitarist they'll position them if they're doing backups uh, or harmonies or something, they'll position them in such a place that those harmonies will sound good. And yeah, he, you know, does like four or five hours of prep and then they play start to finish. They they might do multiple takes, like three or four takes. And then that's the recording. Mm. And I listened to a few of them. Definitely not my bag music style wise, but dear Lord, listen with headphones, man. And this shit, it sounds like, it sounds like a full-fledged, recording multi-track recording wow it's fucking awesome dude it's given me heaps of cool ideas i don't know how applicable it is to metal and stuff but it's just really inspiring to see stuff like that because if you could ever pull that off or approach a recording that way you got one microphone essentially two because the stereo uh two preamps and then just i don't know your fucking focus right here that has two preamps you know you could just plug two mics in and you could do that. Just requires people to be tight and also good at their songs. And yeah, pretty inspiring shit, I reckon. Wow. American Podge? It is an American Podge, yeah. Mm. And also this guy, I think he recorded Dead Kennedys and Joe Satriani and stuff oh, yeah. like that. That was another thing I heard that was pretty insane. I think on that same podcast, but different guest he was talking about the scorpions recording and they were they were recording okay so each power chord right has three notes so the root the fifth and the octave they would do one take of just the root note and then they would record again and just do the fifth and then the octave yep yep why so they'd have like 12 tracks left and right to just have it be absolutely perfect. And the, I mean, Scorpion's guitar is fucking sweet and also really good at guitar. And that's why those recordings sound like fucking crazy. Mm. So that's almost the opposite of this one mic yep. sort of thing. Anyway, Spun whatever. Mm. Listen to it. But yeah, Al, get thinking on that. I've got some ideas. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have an album of the week? Not Scorpion. You go I'll first. You go first. Probably Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness, Smashing Pumpkins. Get out. Yeah. That's why you said learn tonight, tonight. Yeah. Was that mine a few weeks ago? Probably. Yeah, okay. Um, but I was, I whipped out the acoustic guitar again recently, so I was just strumming that. And I play 1979 from time to time. And I was playing that going, this song sucks. I wish I knew an actual good Smashing Pumpkins song from that album. <laughs> so I learned tonight, tonight, and then it's just sort of been stuck in my head for ages. 
Um, and I was looking on YouTube for like, I was like, tonight, tonight live. Just, just I don't know, just see what the deal is, how they pull that off and also play it live because in the recording they got the strings and that. So, yeah, I watched, the first one I watched was some, it was like Glastonbury or some sort of festival. Huge fucking festival. Huge festival and right in the melancholy tour days. And they don't have any backing track or anything, just playing it guitar-wise. And it sounded fucking sick. Um, and then I sort of went on a bit of a spiral watching other songs from that era of them playing live and stuff. It was fucking amazing. Uh, so, yeah, just been listening to that a lot. And then watching, looking for like Billy Corgan playing it. And he does like acoustic versions of that song as well. Just him oh, playing it. And that William sounds Corgan? really cool. Will, Will Corgan. Yeah. <laughs> Real good. And then as you're looking that stuff up, it just shows you him just always has his guitar wherever he's going and he's playing at parties and stuff sporadically and then people will just whip out their cameras and film him. I think he's been doing that recently, going yeah, out as amazing Corgan. <laughs> Seriously, it's funny, eh? And yeah, doing all these acoustic shows. Yeah. And I heard an interview with him and he said something like, you know, it's the ultimate shit in yourself because you're wondering how that all these fans are here because of today or or fucking bullet with butterfly wings and then you're playing this acoustic shit yeah and it has to translate or something so that's i thought that was interesting yeah definitely um and then yeah no, i just sort of went back a bit to simon's dream because i never really was massive into that as well but it's pretty mm. cool song soma is pretty soma. cool not the i don't think it's the best song but there are something like a hundred overdubs on that song in mm. the days of i think in the days of tape well, he's in the days of tape, but I'm not sure if they use it, I'm pretty sure. But, uh, yeah, I read, a, I think in the tablature book to Siamese Dream, they give you an explanation, like a blurb at the start of it. And this, yeah. this is memories from fucking year 11 or something. But, yeah, they say at, at 2 minutes 50 or something, a piano overdub comes in. And at that stage, I'd never heard that in the song. Mm. I listened back on headphones, heard it. And now every time... <laughs> I listen to it, I hear that fucking piano come in. Sick. Yeah. Very layered. He's cool. actually got a solo album out, which I never knew about from last year, and um, there's a lot of piano on that. Okay. So I imagine he's playing it. Yeah, one of my favourite Smashing Pumpkins songs, and please don't kick me out of your new band, <laughs> is called For Martha. Yeah. It starts off with the piano thing, yeah. and it's the only song I've ever learnt to play on piano. Okay. As a kid, I learnt to play it. And, um, yeah, real super long song, but super soppy and about his dead mum. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. I don't know. I quite like his voice. Like, it's fucking weird, but I dig it. And, I don't know, it's all unique. Bit of grunge and a bit of rock and just cool songs. Um, and you know that song on Melancholy, Porcelina, the Fast Oceans or whatever it's called? You watched that live? Yeah. Fuck Forget yeah. about it, eh? Yeah, heavy, eh? And heavy, but also just like, epic and stuff probably before there was a lot of music that fucking epic yeah almost like a bit of pink floyd or something influence in that really fucking cool when dave gilmore i think got put in the guitar hall of fame billy corgan Ah. did the like preamble speech really something like that it was on a pink floyd dvd i think on pulse maybe Mm. some fucking dvd pink floyd um, it's got Billy Corgan saying how much he's into him. And if you listen to a lot of his solos, they got a lot of that sort of Gilmore familiarity, but just mm. in this weird 90s rock context. Yeah. Funny because, yeah, he is dead set. He, him and John Frusciante, early Chili Peppers days, mm. were my two big guitar heroes when yeah. I was a kid, <laughs> as you can probably fucking tell. Obviously, it led me to some live Chili Peppers as well. Yeah, um, nice. Some pretty cool stuff. I've always been into One Hot Minute, even though it's allegedly the shittest album ever, but <laughs> well, I dig it and watching him play some of that stuff live. Um, have you heard yeah. the newer albums? Because they are way shitter than One Hot Minute. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I didn't like, I thought Californication was pretty cool, even though it's fucking lame and poppy and shit, but there's some cool guitaring, which I dug. Um, Good harmonies. Yeah. Like guitar fuck, some of those vocals live are off key though. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Too much yeah. prancing around, eh? Yeah, a lot of prancing, which I don't mind. It's pretty funny. A lot of falsetto. Flea, mad cunt. Uh, 
Melancholy. Don't know if I did actually say it as an album of the week. Be interesting for Claim of Throne fans. Basically, Sleek, can you tell me if it was my album of the week? <laughs> uh, yeah, probably just before I tour. I think you had Machina not that long ago. Oh, okay. Yeah, some cool moments on Machina, man. Not not that consistent, mm. but real good. But yeah, I was smashing Melancholy. Mm-hmm. And I may have... Oh, fucking hell, this is a problem with the podge and drinking. <laughs> but I found a video... Like a long ass fucking video of them recording Melancholy, and they were just all set up in a big room. It might have just been in a studio, but it looked more like a warehouse. And they were just doing take after take of just jamming it together, just jamming shit out. Mm. And uh, one of my most interesting things, besides being able to see some of the gear, and they were just fucking playing the songs, man. And that's what's on the album. Yeah. And then they did overdubs. So cool was uh, Jimmy Chamberlain's drumming. That's kind of what I was getting to in there. It's like he comes from a jazz background and he's playing this stuff, but just with a lot of control and really st- <laughs> really stable dynamics. And I noticed in comments and stuff and pe- people like on um, message boards and shit about the recording, they're like, oh, yeah, Jimmy Chamberlain doesn't hit hard or blah, blah, blah. But you go and listen to fucking Jelly Belly, right? And the um, how amazingly clear the ghost noting and all that stuff comes through. And when he hits a rim shot, it's just undeniably like a lift in energy and dynamics. Mm-hmm. Man, there's something to that, that ultimate fucking control of dynamics. You, you get plenty of tone out of the drums and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it still sounds aggressive when it needs to. I was impressed with his drumming on those videos and I couldn't quite put my finger on it, what it was, because it wasn't anything... Crazy, but he's just a it. super balanced player, a real balanced player. And that one mic series also goes to show you that, hey, if the fucking tom is too loud, the drummer just has to control it when he hits that tom. And I think mm. that's what Jimmy Chamberlain and guys like Danny Carey and shit, like all those really good drummers, do that really mm. well. They really balance their shit. <clears throat> and that sometimes I've fallen victim to. I, I love hard-hitting drummers, but if you're playing a rock song start to finish or a thrash song start to finish, you can keep that level consistent. But like I said, when you're blending slower beats with blast beats, there's a trade-off where you've got to hit the slower beats a bit um, softer or a bit more um, with a a bit more control control, (laughs) in order for those blast beats to have impact when they come in. So, yeah, it's a pretty big lesson. Fucking boring, Ash. (laughs) So, yeah. Well, I'm glad I brought that up. And Tim Clifford, also massive fan of Porcelina. Yeah, right. And we were watching that after a few beers just before tour through his sick-ass fucking setup yeah, right. and watching live clips of it. Production is a bit weird on that album. I don't know. Real bass-heavy, you reckon? Bass-heavy, like, yeah, not much guitar tone to it. Yeah. But then some of those riffs, like that heavy Porcelina riff, just comes out of nowhere. Sounds heavy in a weird, unique sort of way. And a few of those songs is the same way. Like, you could learn to play those songs on guitar, but just not have the fucking feel or the effect, the impact. Yeah, it's about those nuanced little fucking mm. willy weights. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely willy weights. And when I was a kid, those are the things I'd learn. Like, some of those basic yeah, songs yeah. are so basic, but, like, I would try and learn all those little moments. Yeah, right. And I think that I'm, I'm not a... Great guitarist, but I Hence think we have Farthing Wheel. <laughs> it helped me with Farthing Wheel. Yeah. Uh, some things for you to listen out for. You've been listening on headphones or just cranking it? Both. Okay, so next time you're on headphones. In-ear headphones and also over-ear headphones. You skip Bullet with Butterfly Wings, obviously, right? Generally. Generally? Okay, listen to it again. The bit <clears throat> after the second chorus where the bridge happens or whatever it is, I don't know enough about musical theory to fucking define it. But the bit after the second chorus, Dan, oh, no, no, wah, that bit, <laughs> yeah. listen to the fucking bass or guitar tone that comes in then. Okay. There's an overdub of some like hyper-fuzzed or breaking up distortion shit that mm. I had never noticed before. That's crazy. Sick. Another one is the um, Here Is No Why. mm the solo, just fucking give yourself some breathing room and a few <laughs> tissues for a start. But the guitar overdubs that just, it's like an extra layer. So it's just normal, 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 normal. And then it just strums over with this extra layer of like a lift 
guitars and then they somehow come out of it and be back to normal without losing intensity. Paul Selena does that as well. A lot of really cool production things in there, man. Weird. Yeah, which we could utilize. We've always been meat potatoes. Yeah. We should do stuff like that for sure. Song of the week, probably something off there. If you want to select something, that's cool. Done. If we have that much time, which we do. Yeah, we decide time here. Any other albums we need to discuss? Uh, yeah, there are. For one, I think I did a Richie Cotts on everyone again last week. You mm. told me to put on Earthless, I think, by Doom VS. Oh, right. Yeah, I did. And I put on that sports oh, that's cool. stuff. Yeah. Just, I don't listen back to the fucking episodes. I, I guess, just put yeah. them out and go like, I think he was talking about that band. Yeah. Um, so I put that on. Sorry, guys who wanted to hear Earthless, just fucking Google it. Sorry for all of those who didn't press stop before the end of the pod. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No yeah. one. Uh, I ha- I don't have an album of the week. I'm going to piggyback off Melancholy because it's worth it. A couple of things I've listened to that you might like. One thing is called Merk Grav. Have you heard of that? Or Mick Grav? Rings a bell. M-Y-R-K-G-R-A-V. Yeah, no, I don't know that. Um, the album's called Trollscour Scrompt Og. Cola Brenning. <laughs> Jeez, sounds oh, like yeah, sounds I remember sounds. that. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Black interesting, metal, obviously. Or? Yeah, like, like maybe folk, pagan folk something. You might dig it. I listened to only like a song or two and I thought, mm, this is... Managam Similarity? Was looking for bands mm. like Managam, found that, but not as brutal as that. Mm. I just thought you might dig it. Okay. One that is possibly as brutal as Managam. But you know you know how you've got dissection and then you've got Emperor? And Emperor is like faster dissection riffs, but like overbearing synth parts. Well, that's what this is to have its Vaga. So this band is called Droughtran, <laughs> D-R-A-U-T-R-A-N. And the album, which I love the title of, it's called Throne of the Depths. <laughs> okay. Great name. Um, let me just tell you, I listen to this second song called Blot, of course, uh, dash Lohan Dare Off Opferang. Man, it's like <laughs> the voice and the sort of um, freneticness of Danny Filth, but surprisingly maybe a more weird and possibly annoying voice than Danny Phil. Wow. Like real intense and in your face. Don't know if I like it. But then I'm listening to it and thinking, why am I still listening to it? I think I like this. Maybe a grower or a show will find out. <laughs> but yeah, okay. that's a funny one. Yeah, we should that. listen to one of these afterwards. Done. Um, we should do reaction videos, eh? That sort of shit. Yeah, well, <laughs> explicit, 18 negative. Oh. But yeah, listen to that Stort regen or whatever. Yeah. Didn't mind it. Thought yeah. it sounded pretty cool. Definitely not dissection. Definitely mm. tech death. Yeah. And the other one I listened to was Cult of a Dying Sun. Oh, yeah. Hashtag FAK by the band Uada. And I actually quite liked that. Yeah, I liked that. I think I could give that another few whirls. Yeah. So yeah, there you go. Awesome. Sick dicks. Let's just put on porcelain so that I can go do a piss. Yeah, me too. Without a care in this whole world. Thirsty? Oh, man. For someone who doesn't drink anymore, I'm certainly drinking a lot today. Mm. <laughs> Ash skulls are crowny. That is probably from the early 2000s, that crowny, hey? You find it in the shed. <laughs> Sophie's cleaning out the cupboard today. Finds these beers. <laughs> when did you have crownies last? Uh, not that long ago, actually. I remember when they're from. Lee was living here and he oh, brought okay. them back from work or something. Beautiful. We smashed four, obviously, and left two. Nice. There they are. The end. Bye.
Western shoreline.